Welcome to The Fear Alchemist. My name is Ben Harris, your host and fellow explorer. I believe the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Together, we'll explore the unknown and learn the lessons that fear has to offer. I'm glad you're here. Now let us begin. Before we get into the conversation, I want to let you know about what's going on at the Heart Collective. We are building a community of like-hearted people that are on a mission to create a more beautiful world. Not only do we have the Fear Alchemy course that is a transformational experience, we are also offering and announcing a river rafting retreat that's happening in September. It's called Stillness and Surrender. This is our second annual river rafting retreat, and there is nothing like fully immersing yourself into the beauty of nature. There are so many parallels and lessons that the river has to offer about how to surrender to the flow of life. So if you're looking for a felt experience of community, nature, and learning how to let go and trust the universe, then this retreat is just for you. Find out more about it and all of our offerings at heartcollective.org. That's H-A-R-T collective.org. The link is also in the show notes. Thanks, everybody. Now let's get back to the program. All right, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of The Fear Alchemist. We have Ashmi Patella here. And we started. I started to ask a question. That wasn't on the podcast, but I got a message to not ask it because I feel like it was just going to send us, blast us off into outer space. So now I'm officially asking the question. And Ashmi, you can use this way to also introduce yourself in any way you feel called. Mm. Um, why do you have such a loving, my, my interpretation or observation is loving relationship with fear? Mm. You asked me why I talk about it so much and I actually didn't realize I write about it so much, but... My journey has been awakening and coming back to my heart and back to love and back to the truth of my essence. And I feel like in order to get there, fear has been such a massive, almost presence, partner, whatever you want to call it, a catalyst for growth. And in my eyes, fear is kind of the opposite of trust. I feel like a lot of people say it's the opposite of love and that's true too. But to me, it has been a journey from walking away or alchemizing fear and self-doubt to walking in trust. And the frequency of trust is so beautiful and it's beyond anything I've ever imagined. And it's um, anchoring more and more in my being. It's just magical. <laughs> and it And it seems like even when you said the word trust, what was like your, what was your relationship with trust? I mean, go as far back as you wanted, but you know, year, two, three years, what was trust like for you? I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust my unique gifts, my essence. I didn't trust life though. I thought I did, didn't trust the universe. So it was more, I don't think you realize how much you walk in doubt or fear, but <laughs> I wasn't already, you know, in my power, in myself, knowing my truth, knowing my unique gifts are worthy enough. Because when you think you're not worthy or you're not good enough, that's 
doubt. And I think that's the most common human wound, uh, thinking you're not good enough, you're not lovable, you're not going to be accepted. So I was actually uh, five years ago in Silicon Valley in the tech field, working and hustling away. I had confidence in my skills, I guess, but I didn't trust myself, my worth. It was just this confidence and trying to be good enough and get to the next level and the next level and push myself more from a place of lack because I felt like I had to prove myself to myself or maybe my parents. Um, And then I decided after a period of extreme anxiety and burnout to quit my thriving career in Silicon Valley. I booked a one-way ticket and (laughs) I traveled the world. Um, And that was actually the beginning of me facing my fear and becoming aware of it. Because once you leave kind of what you thought was the safety net or the illusion of security, you're just faced with yourself. And I had all this time to think. So it was really, really hard. Yeah. So this is, this is beautiful. And like, do you think it just got so bad that you had to leave? Or did you also have like an inkling of a calling that was like, beyond that beyond the anxiety or like because you were really being called into the unknown to the void and whatever else you want to call it yeah that's a beautiful way of asking because it was suffocation and anxiety that was kind of the catalyst of i gotta go but always from childhood i felt like i'm here for something more i'm drawn to more and i wasn't doing it And maybe at first it was just this sense of I need to travel and come back to my heart. I need to come into clarity again and create that space to come back and feel myself because I was in fight or flight mode and just panic attacks, you know, anxiety, heart palpitations. I couldn't even feel normal. So that was my first desire. But it was also this love, this joy, this excitement of what's out there. And let me come back to the magic of the universe. And show me the beauty of my heart and the power of creating again, because I lost that touch from childhood. Mm. And if you don't mind me asking, I'm sure you're okay since we're here. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but like, what? Um, like, so what changed when you said you had that magic in childhood? What made that dim? Yeah. And of course, we all have our experiences. But I'm yeah. curious for you. Yeah, what made that magic that that glitter less Mm. shiny. (laughs) Um, Yeah. In childhood, I knew the power of manifesting. I felt like I was creating in lockstep with the universe. I was in awe of nature. I painted a lot. I wrote a lot. I think the pressures of school and um, stresses at home, trying to push myself. And I I think I went into my left brain or just analytical mind. And um, instead of playing as much, I started just, yeah, working so hard to achieve. And I lost that sense of play in childhood because I had a really hard um, environment in my home, not, not when I was young, but from probably age 11 to 14, Mm. I was dealing with my own I had extreme mood swings, like puberty was not easy for me. And also my sister had her health challenges um, and different things we'll get into later. 
but it caused this very stressful environment in the home where my only solace was to keep doing well in my life and showing my parents, you don't have to worry about me. I'm independent. You don't have to um, look out for me because they were so focused on my sister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like, and, and I relate to that in my own way and I'm sure other people do, right? Is essentially, because just to make sure I understand is like with your sister and her health um, challenges, did did you make like a conscious effort to be like hey don't you don't have to worry about me like i've got it because like that was that felt so stressful and like so much or at least unconsciously at 11 years old it was unconscious <laughs> i mean it was just that i saw how much stress and worry they were they had focused on my sister that i just did my own thing and i didn't ask for help and also it was this sense of I can't be seen crying. I can't be seen showing my weakness because if I'm crying, is this experiential learning? But when I'm down, they worried about me, right? So I learned to bottle that up and I actually suppressed a lot of that pain. I wasn't aware of how much guilt and shame and blame and anger and frustration I was carrying around everything related to my home environment. Mm -hmm. Um, I suppressed it and I actually was proud that I didn't cry much to the point where even in my teen or adult life, young adult life, I didn't cry for a whole year. And I thought that was a good thing. Right. And now I cry like multiple (laughs) times a week, (laughs) feeling it all. (laughs) That's so man. And it's, of course, there are many different um, layer layers or levels of going from like, it's good not to cry to just allowing yourself the feeling. And what, like, do you remember one of those first moments or like a key moment? I know there have probably been many of you releasing or grieving or feeling like actually just like feeling because I mean, I totally relate to this of like not like wearing it as an accomplishment of not crying. You know, 27 years old. So um, five years ago, I finally did inner child healing. And I finally, because I thought, oh, no, I had a good childhood. I'm good. Yeah. Like, There's no trauma, not like the trauma you see on TV and in certain people's lives. But actually, at that age, those hurtful words or that screaming, yelling environment in the home, that child in you is afraid and doesn't feel safe and doesn't feel seen. And the biggest thing was I didn't see myself and I mm. didn't let myself feel safe in my own being. Mm. So when I did the really deep inner child work, I was bawling because I saw, and I literally had a dream about this that night. I saw myself at age 10, sprinting to the finish line, trying so hard, exhausted. And the finish line kept getting pulled back and back and back. And my parents were like pushing me and I was pushing myself and I felt exhausted. And I was just the little girl just pushing and I didn't even let myself stop. So I cried for that girl. And I finally sent that myself love, that part of me love. And I, it was just so healing. Yeah. Never felt that healing before. Yo, that's yeah. so cool. Mm-hmm. And going back to that moment where you made that jump, do you remember what you felt like before and right after? Like, were you 
Were you the nervous and excited or were you like terrified and like, I can't believe I'm doing this? So I was super analytical back then <laughs> and I still am, but I wrote a pros and cons list of should I quit and travel the world and leave this career? Like once you leave Silicon Valley, there's this FOMO of I'm not going to be up to date anymore, you know? So um, I did write a pro and con list and it was like so many pros <laughs> and I just felt this excitement in my heart and I knew that even though there's so many unknowns and so many fears, it's worth it because I want to live my life to the fullest. And I felt like that was the time. The time was right. Yeah, I love this. So I can definitely tell, and like from your background, your your intellect's on another level. Am, right? You're definitely intelligent. Am I assuming correct? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right? Maybe. But at least we can say Thank just... You rational yeah. logical thinking yeah yeah Very so like like i definitely resonate with that resonates resonate with mm. the pros and cons list like i did i did a similar thing um how have you how have you been able to like tap into the heart or bring it in coherence not vilifying the ego or mind yeah. but truly coming like tapping into your heart when when you've spent your whole life or most or good part of your life like thinking with lot logic and it's mm -hmm. paid off so many times. Like how have you gotten into that practice? Yeah, it took probably two years of practice, you know, and baby steps. And at first, of course, I was still in my mind of, okay, now I need to be successful on my own. So I was freelancing for Silicon Valley clients. I was still one foot in okay. that door. So I was too afraid to fully jump. Um, I was working remotely. So that was, on the way towards my heart, I felt like to freedom, but through probably meditation and spending more time traveling, um, I hopped countries, you know, every few months and it helped me come back to this presence and this joy and this excitement for life. And nature is a great way to come back to the heart because it's, I feel like it's the organic template of this world, this realm. And, um, when I was in Bali, I landed in Bali. I loved it. I fell in love, stayed there. Um, the energy there is so much more gentler compared to Silicon Valley and so many places in the world. The people are really heart-based, the locals. And you can see they make every day a ceremony. And I started having this reverence for life again, where I would just make my fruit in the morning and just savor that and walk to the cafe and just be and notice the vibrant colors. And yeah, I was noticing way more synchronicities and magic unfolding. And I felt that uh, vibrancy. And I was also writing a lot. So through writing, uh, there's a whole story there around overcoming the fear of trusting that voice. But through writing, I connected with that voice of my heart again, which I had as a child through journaling which I stopped um, when I was a teenager, but writing really helped me. Well, I'd love to, let's, let's go down the story. Yeah, okay. <laughs> of the voice, I feel like that's yeah. really important. I think when um, you don't feel good enough or when you're doubting your own wisdom within, you tend to rely on kind of borrowed styles or borrowed writing, borrowed ideas books, you know, so at first I was reading all these books about 
spirituality, the quantum field, because I needed confirmation of what my intuition was already telling me. I needed my analytical mind to be like, okay, it's real. It's true. You can trust it. And then I started writing from the mind a bit, like analyzing it. So writing about spirituality and energy and working remotely, whatever the topic was. But then I noticed like sometimes in the shower or when I was walking in nature, like two sentences would pop in and I felt this rush of joy and I need to write this down. And when I wrote it down, it felt like it came from my core. And I realized that's the voice of my heart, my higher self, my soul, whatever you want to call it. And I need to trust that. And of course, in the beginning, there's doubt. So I blocked myself and it didn't come in as clearly. But the more I practiced jotting those notes down, the more um, I just did it, the longer the paragraphs started coming through and the less blocked. And I learned how to turn off my editing mind, my judging mind. And I just write really fast and I edit later. And when I come back to edit, it's just one or two sentences or words or rearranging. And it's not even that much because the heart is wise and everyone has that within them. It's just about finding your own way to tune into it. And it might not be writing. It might be singing or art. You know, it could be different for everyone. That's so cool. So you said at 14 is when you turned, you, did you write before then? Yeah, I did. I wrote consistently from age um, 10 to 14. Do you remember why you turned it off or you just kind of forgot? Uh, high school, <laughs> just <laughs> social life, running okay. and different. Yeah. To me, okay. I was also thinking it was too lame. Like I'm too old to have a journal, a diary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and tapping into those moments of just because like you summarized it beautifully and but just like tapping back into that moment like you walking or in the shower and those thoughts come in and you feel with joy and then you immediately like suppress it again what was do you remember some of those thoughts or judgments that were coming in this is too woo woo this is too airy fairy this is fluffy Sometimes I felt like my zest for life is my part of me. It's my true essence. Like I love, I have rose colored glasses. People tell me I Mm. see everything through optimism. So I felt like when I am in that heart space, what comes through is so much love and joy and excitement for life. And it sounds cheesy when you write it down, (laughs) but uh, and I guess some criticisms from old teachers on my writing, like, Oh, this Mm. is way too, too optimistic or whatever. I don't remember, but too dramatic. Yeah. Melodramatic. And so I thought that's not okay. I need to be more grounded, practical, realistic, like those self-help books. And that wasn't me. So I think a lot of people judge the parts of themselves that are, or resist the parts of themselves that are their true gift, but they think it's bad because other people will think it's weird but that's your true essence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why looking back at it now, why were you judged? I mean, you just said like the weird or rational part yeah. of judging yourself, but now with the perspective that you have, what was that? What was the key that un- unlocked that or the, the love that you showed? Like, again, many, you practice many mm-hmm. times, but, but when you look at just like the essence of it, 
what was it that like released and like allowed that gift to come through? Yeah. Another fear was this is stupid or I'm stupid. They're going to think I'm not smart or I'm, or I think I'm too good. Right. And I'm not good enough. So the biggest shift was actually trusting myself and flipping those fears. So I did the work by Byron Katie, which I'm sure you're aware of, (laughs) (laughs) but um, the more I developed confidence in my life experience and realizing that the way I see the world, the way I express myself, the way I feel energy and interpret it doesn't have to be the way anyone else does it. And just because someone is an author or a guru doesn't mean they know more. They just know their flavor and their essence and their experience. But for me, the more life experience I had to back up my inner knowing, the more proof I had to myself, okay, like this is real. Like, for example, how I'm talking now about moving through self-doubt to fear. If I didn't have that experience, I wouldn't be able to talk about it with confidence. So in the past, I used to try to be an expert or talk about things that weren't really my passion or my life experience. For example, Silicon Valley, just giving a conference in front of hundreds of people. (laughs) I was so nervous, but I realized when I share from my heart, share just my truth, it's good enough because it's me. Okay, this is so cool. So, because the the proof and the evidence, so that's one thing I believe in a lot. And what fear does, right? It uses the evidence that it will, if you believe something, right, it's going to collect that thing that you believe. So, mm-hmm. if you believe this is stupid or people will think it's stupid, it'll literally only look for that because it yes. wants to be validated as true. Yeah. So, do you remember some of those times? So. It's just not like, you know, I, I felt it. I did it. Woohoo. Like maybe it was that simple, but what were some of the times maybe like fear found that evidence of like, this was stupid, like maybe mm. a comment or a voice yeah, of from someone. Yeah. In the beginning, I was terrified to even post on Instagram, just one little paragraph and my heart would race before I click submit. And I needed I to it. take a deep breath. And then I was thinking about all the things people might say, or they might look for a loophole, or they might take this wrong, or they might think I'm, I'm meaning one thing. So that fear was massive, especially the more I actually felt vulnerable in what I was, what I was sharing. And like you said, our universe, our reality will mirror back to us our beliefs, our fears, our expectations. So I instantly, when I posted with that fear, I saw a negative comment. And it sent ice whooshing through my whole mm. body and my heart was pounding. I was just so embarrassed. And I literally had to like lie down on the couch in the fetal position and be like, oh no, no, I should delete the post. I can't believe I did that. What are they going to think? More people are going to see this. Like you can see how terrifying it was. And I actually, the more I took a deep breath and said, no, Like, this is my truth and it doesn't matter how anyone else takes it. Like, I can't control how the whole world is going to perceive my words. I shared from a place of love and good intention. So it's okay. Like, not doing anything wrong, right? Um, And it took a practice of doing that over and over and over again every single day for, for years. And now what's weird is I have alchemized that fear. 99%, 95% to the point where 
strangely, I don't either don't notice the critical comments or they don't strike my heart as they used to. Or when I read them, I just see it as, oh, wow, cool. Like, that's your perspective. And I can see how you come from that because in this world, we've been programmed to live in lack, victimhood, blame, mm. right? So, of course, I would trigger that. Um, and the magic of it is when you shift your inner frequency, your beliefs, your expectations, your outer world does shift. And I no longer have to worry about what was such a mountain. It's a molehill now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is this is so cool. Like you really are. I mean, you're like a living embodiment of an example of at least what I want to celebrate and not put on a pedestal but you know what i mean like show to the world and like literally like the fear alchemist and so like ooh, this is so good like thank you for sharing because it's and i love that image of you like fetal position on the couch because like just for reference if people don't know ash me right like you literally post like a paragraph for each slide on instagram you know so like if people were like I can't, it's just so cool to realize that like you literally, your nervous system got so activated and so afraid that like even just posting anything terrified mm. you. And there are probably many moments of you, you know, feeling that way and looking at those comments. And now it's completely transmuted where it's like, yeah, to see, and I can like feel that in you is like, it's not even really a thing. Like maybe mm-hmm. sometimes at some points of new content, yeah, of maybe, but like easily like the most part that fear has been alchemized and that's so freaking cool so i just want to celebrate you you. oh thank you yeah it's um i think a big one was i was worried yeah of how people would perceive me because i wasn't fully perceiving myself in a good light Mm. i was judging myself so it all comes back to instead of them or they're judging me it's where am i judging myself where am I not seeing myself? And now it's like, I trust my life experience. I trust my expression um, where I don't need to justify it or explain it to anyone else. And it does help to take those baby steps. And the more I posted, I did get positive comments and so many more. Like, So focus on the good that's being reflected back too. And it gives you that motivation to keep going. Yeah, and it's cool for you just to just to mention that and to like cuz I can definitely feel into places where it's like like I definitely still judge myself, you know, and, yeah. and that's such a true thing as like writing or speaking and it's interesting it's also reflected to me if like if I'm judging others, I know that's how I judge myself. <laughs> you know, and so it's just it's a freaking be- beautiful mirror, right? Of course, it can be frustrating, but it's literally helpful to to see those things of how I view it and interact with it of like, it's revealing to me where I don't feel loved or I don't feel free. And so then mm. I get to f- put my intention into that. Um, all this trust, we've talked about, you know, self-doubt with your gifts. And then back, focus, like shifting slightly into trust is such a big thing. So how 
you mentioned how you like didn't trust like where do you think that came from was it because you were just so analytical it was Mm. like those big leaps of you know whether it was quitting your job and you know you were traveling you're still doing freelancing so it wasn't completely all those things and and i think that's okay just side note because it's Mm -hmm. sometimes it can actually re-traumatize you (laughs) Mm -hmm. if you just do if you just really really actually go all in there's a difference of all in for you at that time but where like at what points for you was like the not trusting like was it just something bad was going to happen what was that for you so when i was in silicon valley i really suppressed my interest in spirituality the universe the metaphysical the subconscious, you know, all the things I was super dorky, geeky about as a child, because I thought, no, that's a little airy fairy, you know, the programming, they make this spirituality or just connection to your spirit feel really woo woo, or you have to be this weird caricature of you can't be smart and on top of things and be that at the same time. So for me, that was the biggest thing of, I didn't give myself permission to be me. I didn't feel safe to be truly all of me, all of my interests and passions and natural way of seeing the world. Um, so that's the part I didn't trust. Um, I, I did trust my ability and because I had to be independent as a child. So I didn't have as much fear just around um, setting off on my own or free, freelancing or solo okay. traveling. Yeah. But it was more so I am this way and it's okay to show the world that and be Mm. seen. Yeah. And what about the whole, like when you quit, because I know the pros and cons, like did you also like save a bunch of money and then you left or what was like the whole money side of it? Yeah, that's really interesting (laughs) because I feel like once I truly believe the universe supports you and the more you trust yourself and follow your path and follow your heart. It will support you in so many ways you couldn't even imagine. So while I was working um, at my full-time job, I actually got a freelancing consulting opportunity already. So I was doing two, two, which is crazy for being how um, tired and burnt out I was, but I was doing two things at once and that helped me kind of spring off. And I was very blessed and very lucky to have that. Um, and I already had a client, so I felt like I could travel while keeping that client and finding more in a sense. Yeah. I, I was still really confident in my skills there. The bigger fear was actually the decision to stop working for clients in Silicon Valley, cut off my biggest client, say no, not another month. Right. Cause mm-hmm. every month you're like, Oh, I could use a bit more, yeah. every month. but, um, that's how, when I was paralyzed with fear. Ooh, keep yeah. going. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to ask how long, how, what was that period of yeah. time like? Yeah. So it took me about two and a half years to fully um, cut off Silicon Valley clients. Yeah. And um, it was when like March, 2020. Yeah. Um, when I started feeling more and more suffocated by that. And I knew in my head, this is not my path. And I knew it because I couldn't see myself doing it for another two years, let alone 10. 
And the idea of that just drained me. I was just like, this isn't me anymore. And um, I had one foot reaching into the abyss of what could my life look like? And could I really support myself and thrive? And am I good enough? Like, who am I to think I'm an artist and author, right? Mm. Um, I didn't feel like I had a foundation or anything there. Not even, you know, any degrees or any anything in the matrix that you feel like you need to support yourself. Um, so my poor partner, Joel, had to listen to me probably once a week in the fetal <laughs> position saying, I don't know, I can't do it. I don't know. <laughs> that was my catchphrase. And I don't know is what you were saying. Yeah. Because I didn't know what I didn't know. I was just like, I don't know. I can't do it. I'm paralyzed. <laughs> yeah. But now I barely, I never say it. So that's, that's a shift to celebrate. But um, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, the self-doubt was more so like, even being seen trying to attempt this path by my old colleagues and friends, it felt scary. Um, even thinking of myself in a different light, because for so long you've built this identity around, you know, Silicon Valley, high achiever, executive. And I always thought I would be that. So letting go of my old skin was like a death. Um, you're shedding and you suddenly feel vulnerable. Like, well, my new skin really protect me when my mm -hmm. wings come through didn't even know i had wings dang okay you're saying so many things that are just like i, I just want to grab grab all the things yeah <laughs> but um it's ah oh, yeah there is so much goodness in that so with the i don't know piece was that like, I don't know if I can do this? Is it just because like that paralyzing feeling? So you couldn't even muster what it was. Mm -hmm. So you didn't even really have a reason. You were just kind of like frozen and paralyzed. Or was it just like, I don't know if I can make money. I don't know if I'm good enough. Like kind of all of it. Or what was the main thing? All of it. Plus this physical sensation of embarrassment and vulnerability through mm. my whole body. So that's why I was saying, I don't know, because I needed him to help me reflect and unpack. Okay, this time, what is it? And it's like every week it was different. What is it this time? And sometimes it would be after I took a little leap and I posted something vulnerable or I said, I'm going to do one-on-one -on -one coaching now, not mm -hmm. for Silicon Valley clients, but for regular people. And then as soon as I posted it, this vulnerability hangover came through and it's like, I don't know if I'm good enough or if anyone would come. Or what people would think of this. Yeah, it was everything. And the thing with fear is it's so muddy. Mm -hmm. There's so many emotions in one that you don't even know how to articulate what it is. Yeah, I, I love this. So how did you... So it sounds like Joel. Amazing. Yeah. Like, And I've definitely been like similar, like thanks to my partner, Belle. Like, I used to think that like I needed to do it alone, but I've actually done like thanks to her and our, you know, partnership union is just, it's multiplied me in so many Aww. ways. Like I didn't even realize, you know, just like, whoa, like, and so I just want to give props to both of them. That's <laughs> but so beautiful. It's, it's true. Mm. And so, and like, that's not, and that's not easy to like hold space for that, like time and time again, because it's like, Ask me, just like get it. <laughs> you know, get like, over it. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, and 
man, but I love this because it really did. You had so many moments of just the initial sharing. Then, I mean, just the leaving. And what's beautiful, what you're an example of, like, there's just always that next level or layer, right? Of like, you just leaning into your fear Mm -hmm. again and again and again and coming closer to your heart and like your true self and your freedom. So, um, like, was, do you believe, was there ever an aha moment? Like, when did you finally just say like, screw it, I'm going all in and then you just like announced a one-on-one were you surprised with people that took one-on-one or what happened yeah I really felt like in meditation I really connected with my heart that voice that knowing of I am this Um, at age eight I wrote in my diary I am an author and artist Mm. right and I know that's not, that's still a 3D label. It's so much more than that. But um, I started telling myself, I am this and I'm going to be this. I started believing it. And the more I did it, kind of instead of looking at where I was, I made my future vision feel more real in my heart. And that's when I really felt that rush of energy and I felt supported. Um, and every baby step, I still felt like there were synchronicities. The universe was giving me opportunity after opportunity to see that this is my path. Um, So I don't think there was one moment where it was like, I'm all in. Many of those happened. And then followed by a week of, no, I'm terrified. (laughs) And then I'm all in, I'm doing it. Then backtrack. So three steps forward, one step back was my dance. and. Um, I think the biggest thing was when I finally said no to that Silicon Valley client that I was stringing along for so long, you don't really realize it, but when you cut that cord, you shift instantly that cord you've been holding onto for so Mm -hmm. long. And the energy that came in the rush of excitement, the spaciousness, the excitement, which was also scary. Oh yeah. I have all this space now and I chose me and what am I going to do? And this is so cool. Like it felt really amazing. And I knew that was the right decision. So from then it really accelerated. Ooh. So from that point, I mean, what, what else has like happened? I mean, I just know that moment. Mm -hmm. I want to read you. You might've heard this before. So we had a team meeting earlier today and do you know the poem called Fear by Khalil? I'm not sure how you say his last name, but Gilbron. Yeah, I love him, but I don't remember the poem. Oh, so I'll read it because it's exactly okay. what you're talking about. And there's so many things you've said that are just confirmations for me. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's literally just titled, titled Fear, which <laughs> I'm a huge fan of. <laughs> That's just called that. <laughs> it is said that before entering the sea... A a river trembles with fear. She looks back at the path she has traveled from the peaks of the mountains, the long winding road crossing forests and villages. And in front of her, she sees an ocean so vast that to enter there seems nothing more than to disappear forever. But there is no other way. The river cannot go back. Nobody can go back. 
to go back is impossible in existence. The river needs to take the risk of, of entering the ocean because only then will fear disappear. Because that's where the river will know it's not about disappearing into the ocean, but of becoming the ocean. Stop it. Because right when you were reading, I said, you know, you're becoming you. And you said becoming the ocean. Wow. Amazing. I love that. I've never heard that poem before. Hmm. So what, re- I mean. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> but it yeah, is. It is becoming me. Um, you doubt yourself because you don't think who you are at the core is good enough. And so my whole life, I tried to improve myself and become more and become Mm. more like others that I looked up to and mentors and reading all these books when I was enough all along. And instead of trying to become more, it was about letting go of all these layers of density, of self-judgment, of masks and false identities and illusions and fears to come back to my true heart and essence. And once I saw who I truly am, Mm. I felt like, oh, it's good enough. This is the medicine the world needs. And everyone has it. And everyone has that unique gift that you cannot replicate and no one else can replicate. I love that. And it's, what do you feel regarding even, it's becoming you and it's also like joining the ocean of like God or oneness. Yes. Yeah. Becoming you and realizing you're not just this human being, right? We're spirit. We're connected to it all. We are source connecting with your higher self, uh, with nature. And you realize you are so much more than you ever gave yourself credit for. You're so much more connected. You're so much more loved. That love in your heart is so much bigger than you ever thought, more powerful. And um, it is a mystifying experience to feel that and really know that and trust that and some people have glimpse uh, glimpses but the more you connect with it and realize that's your true self you realize the fearful you the human you that worries and doubts and puts yourself down that's not your real self Uh, I had a really visceral experience of this Um, recently I co-facilitated a retreat and I was terrified it was a step outside my comfort zone <laughs> and um, driving up, I had so much anxiety and fear. I was trying to breathe and calm myself because <laughs> a lot of the people who came, they actually knew me on Instagram. So I was like, oh no, like they put me on a pedestal. And what if I don't live up to that? Or what if I, they see me doing this and feeling unsure? So I had the fearful me that was in my head the hamster wheel in my head. And then day two of the retreat, after doing breath work and leading a cacao ceremony, I dropped in and I'm speaking like I'm speaking now. And I'm speaking from my heart and my truth. And I realized this is my true self. This calm, connected, powerful, feeling so loving. Like that's the truth of who you are. And you realize the other self was just, hmm. Just just a mask and identity that helps you get to where you are. Yeah, I love this so much. And I appreciate you sharing this because um, that's one thing I learned like a few, 
four four years ago. Wow, that's crazy. Um, and the different podcasts and all the people I've met and talked to, like probably the overall thing I've learned is like no one has it all figured out. And so for you sharing, it's like, of course you still feel fear because you're human. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like all the time. Yeah, all the time. And that's yeah. what's so beautiful is it's and I'm curious because it's from my perspective, you've whether it's conscious or not, probably a mix of both as you've gone on with life, of using it as like a compass of showing like you were afraid to live leave Silicon Valley because that's what you wanted that's what your heart wanted Mm because that's you and we have like our really like one of our deepest fears is to essentially just not be not be us Mm -hmm. so it's this interesting paradox of i want this so deeply because that's who i am versus i don't want to be that because what if i'm it and it's not enough or not loved or whatever so for me, it's such a beautiful example of using it as a guide of like, I'm scared of this. And so that's what I'm going to do because also that's what's on my heart. Like I know it. And so again, just to celebrate that. And if you have any, yeah. any feelings on that, just please add. Mm. My compass is one way is suffocation and the other way is excitement or contraction and expansion. And I've learned to realize that um, sometimes fear will be on the excitement side. So it doesn't mean it's the same, right? Uh, measuring stick. And for me, at one point, Silicon Valley was excitement. It was my dreams. It, it, mm-hmm. you know, it was a dream job. Uh, but then it started becoming suffocation, disillusionment, mm-hmm. uh, numbness. And my excitement was the unknown. So leaning into that excitement slash fear that's now kind of, yeah, I feel like that's my guidance. That's my intuition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So Ashby, where is it guiding you now? <laughs> what, what edges of fear do you feel in this moment? Like you said, like, of course I have fear. And um, with every kind of baby step into more of my truth outside my comfort zone, that retreats or speaking to more people, maybe live would be terrifying. But actually, that's a fear I've become very acquainted with. So Mm. instead of being afraid of the fear, (laughs) I see it more as, oh, there it is again. And I'm going to breathe and do my meditation and clear it and trust that I'll show up and whatever comes out will be perfect. Um, A fear I'm not as comfortable with, actually, and it's coming up now because I'm staying with my family in Hawaii uh, just for seven weeks because I haven't seen them in two and a half years. Um, it's more so the fear that I feel like I can't alchemize or control or I don't know exactly what direction to take it. And it's the fear of my family's well-being. Um, uh, and it's packed with so many feelings of guilt, of not doing enough for my mm. sister, for not being there for fear of their actual physical safety and happiness and stress levels and fear of losing them uh, packed with kind of mm, maybe blame and anger and frustration at things that are not working. Uh, Yeah. So many emotions. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing. Can I ask you more questions about it? Yes. (laughs) So, have you always felt this or is this coming really like 
into your awareness and body because you're spending, you know, seven weeks with them? I've always felt it, especially while I'm away, because when I get a text message about something that's happened in the house, um, I guess I should give more context. And I've never talked about this in this way on any podcast. Um, So my sister was injured by a vaccine at age five. Mm. And then she was put on psychiatric meds in her puberty years. And it really hurt her, the compound effect of both. Mm. Um, And now she's trying to detox from these psychiatric meds and go more holistic. But the detox symptoms are causing everything from hallucinations to full body nerve pain to anxiety and OCD. Well, she's always had OCD, but basically mounting anxiety to the point of outbursts that are really terrifying. So I actually have a fear of their physical safety and also feeling sad about all the stress put on my parents being full-time, like, you know, not having an empty nest as they should because she's two years younger than me. So, yeah. And funny, when I talk about my fear that's real to me now, I can't articulate it as clearly. You can tell the difference because I'm mm-hmm. still unpacking it. Yeah. And Which I appreciate is why we're, <laughs> we're talking about it. No, like seriously, I appreciate yeah. you being in it and um, the courage that it takes and the love that it, so much love and bravery, like in talking about it. So like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, and it's it, and it kind of, my feeling is, and I'm wondering if it's connected to that same feeling that you even felt as a child, right? Of like kind of being the one who shouldn't cry or has it all together type of person. Um, and it seems like not at your, you know, like what's happening sounds extremely uncomfortable and unpleasant. Mm. And how do you feel when I bring that up of like being the one like in the childhood, right? To So your parents didn't have to worry about you. How does that play in the dynamic currently? Yeah, it's the same feeling. Because uh, I notice even now I don't share when I'm struggling. Um, but when the anxieties start escalating in the house, I instantly get this pounding heart, cold you know, feeling cold, feeling rushing through my veins, a little bit of like hypersensitive to the emotions of everyone in the family. And this is what happens when you grow up in a household where that could be there, where you're super empathic. And and then I feel my sister's anxiety or my parents' anxiety on me. And I'm learning to actually shield that so I don't take it on. I can still have empathy, but not feel it. Because when that happens, I have full-blown anxiety as if I'm feeling my sisters. Mm. And yeah, and it brings back actually a lot of memories and pain from childhood. Um, Because on top of this fear for my family, I'm carrying this deep sadness of, and you might say I'm still in in the experience. So there's a bit of victim coming through, but the sadness of, I could never be the daughter that needed comforting from my mom, right? And I can never show them what I'm struggling with and they still don't know when I'm down or 
you know, and um, that sadness for my inner child, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Again, thank you for expressing that. And it's like, have you already dove into like when you were coming back because you haven't seen them for two and a half years? Did you think like or feel that was like, okay, this is like, I almost feel like I'm going back to that place to like Mm -hmm. do the work or heal it or transmute it or whatever you want to say? Yes. Yeah. And I had fear. I was so excited to see them, but also Mm -hmm. afraid that these pains would be triggered. I'm in it. Mm -hmm. What if it happens again? What do I do? And another thing is like, I'm practicing observing and staying calm and coming from a place of love when I'm supporting or talking to them, uh, not from a place of fear or worry. And funny thing with family is they're stuck in the same patterns and they expect you to be the same version of you that you always have been. (laughs) So they pull you back to, Oh, you're, you're this right. When it's like, no, I've shifted. Like, I'm not going to become defensive when you talk to me like that, or I'm not going to talk back. I'm going to be calm. And it's kind of disorienting because the dynamics a bit different, but, um, I have noticed a lot of my old patterns flare up inside. Like, Oh, I just want to say this, or I want to butt in and try to solve this problem. But then I feel like that's my old response. It's not me anymore. It's my tendency and it's not going to help in this situation. So observing it has really helped. And I know I'm here for some intense alchemy. (laughs) It feels like it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And how long have you been there? I think two weeks. Ooh, so you're just in the middle. Oh, yeah. Just in the juicy (laughs) and lost in the sauce. Um, And and like when you say physical well-being, do you really mean it's like happiness or do you mean the ultimate, like just alive? Yeah, both. Both. Um, During the outbursts, my sister it's like uh she shifts her personality and her mind she loses control of her rational mind Mm -hmm. and it's all this stress and anxiety and anger built up bursting so she will throw things she'll punch holes through the wall like she becomes 10 times more powerful like the Uh. hulk literally and um depending on what room they're in or sometimes they're driving right so i am literally terrified for them not getting hurt by accident, right? So, and then afterwards, she she feels so much sadness and remorse and apologetic, right? And she's the most loving soul. She's the most sweetest, loving, angelic soul. It's just, she's been in this pressure cooker. And when it bursts, mm. she can't stop herself, yeah. And so, to you, have you played or gone down the route of like the worst case scenario at all not to say that it would happen but just to see in your mind like what that is yeah it's flashed in my head or sometimes i get a text that something's happened and one person's hurt and Mm. i it flashes to the worst right and it's not that bad but um it's something i've carried and i don't think even my parents have tried to put themselves in my shoes to think what it would do to a sibling, like being the healthy, capable sibling, watching that 
growing up or or being away and getting a text message that doesn't explain everything that happened. So I'm lost yeah. in panic trying to get a hold of my family. So um yeah, it it's really affected me, I think, and I'm still carrying that and that fear is something it feels completely uncontrollable. But at the same time, what I'm leaning into is my family is also guided by their higher self and their mm. soul. And their soul has chosen these lessons or this expansion, this growth. We have chosen each other. And it's not my responsibility to fix or control them. Uh, you know, I can send love and I can send my peace and calmness. And I'm sure that energy is more powerful than what I've given credit for in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not my job to try to control every second of their lives because I can't. Right? <laughs> yeah. So. And it's and, yeah. and it's beautiful you share that because I mean I definitely relate to it and it's such a dance of like because it's it just feels so easy to get detached and almost like not care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that it's I definitely relate to it. it's like kind of all in or not. And yeah. That's definitely easy with family. So to have like this dance is challenging, you know, like to truly be in it um, while maintaining sovereignty. (laughs) As honestly, probably the, at least for me, speaking for myself is one of the most challenging things. Um, So for you, what do you feel like if that worst worst case scenario, what what were to happen? What does it mean about you? Yeah, wow. Feel like I would I failed, wasn't there for them. I could have fixed it. I should have said something. I could have prevented it. I could have given them more precautionary ways to avoid that. Um, yeah. It would really weigh on me and then I would evaluate every decision I made like under a microscope and really Hmm. It's also this, what is it? Anger and frustration of the way things were, right? And feeling helpless, like I couldn't do anything about it. And why did our lives turn out like this? And Mm -hmm. yeah, this frozen paralysis, it really feels dense and deep. Hmm. Or, you know, it depends on like what family member, right, we're talking about, but then feeling pain and sadness for the rest of my family for having to go through that. And yeah, so many feelings. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... Like what feeling do you feel in your body when you, when that, like I failed them. So if that does happen, because that was the first thing that came out, right? It's like, I've, I've failed them. Mm. What do you feel in your body and where? Tightness in my heart. Um, numb and tight and heavy. And yeah, it's like a tight grip. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, like I literally feel it like, like, mm. yeah, clenching. Yeah. 
So if you were to fill in this blank, so I don't want to fail because. Hmm. Fill in the blank. Yeah, like if, if my family is hurt, I have failed. That's the statement version. Hmm. I don't want to fail because. Oh, okay. I see what you're good. I don't want to fail because it's kind of this, um, it's such a worst case scenario that my brain is just paralyzed to even consider the option. Right. But Mm -hmm. I don't want to fail because it means my whole life is a failure or I've, I can't be happy. I can't Mm. be me or because that's just too much pain for me to handle the rest of my life. Mm. Or that's not the way it's supposed to go. Mm. Wow, how does that feel? Feels like truth, because if that really happens, I really will feel that way. At least those thoughts would come through, you know, or that feeling. Mm. It feels like it'd be... Over what, like just all of it feels true? I know it's not true. (laughs) But (laughs) like I will find a way to make peace with it. But going through that is something I'm terrified to go through, right? To get to that peace. To actually yeah. just experience it. Mm. The the pain is just unbearable. And also the sadness that, oh, my sister, like, she's been suffering her whole life and, she, and I, she couldn't get to that place of healing and joy, right? And mm. I feel like sometimes I can help the whole world <laughs> with my posts mm. or one-on-one like I can give so much to people, but I can't help my own sister. Like what, what is that? Right. So, yeah. I appreciate you so much for going here. Can I ask you a few more questions? Yes. Are you feeling okay with it? Yeah. No, this is really, really helpful. Cool. And yeah, it's, Just, just to even just be in it and like allow those questions and those answers just to be here. Mm-hmm. Even I can feel like that is just helpful in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To see it clearly. Yeah. And, and honestly, yeah, this is helpful for me because it's like, because definitely like I like to like, all right, let's go through all of it. Let's, let's alchemize it, you know? Yeah. But like, even just this and what you just said of we're terrified to experience it, the feeling like this isn't just like, this isn't uh, necessarily just like a limiting belief. Like what you said, right, is like, I, well, I know it's not true. Mm-hmm. That that means like I've failed or I can't help anyone or what was the thing that you said? It was really good. Can't, I can't help my sister or... There is part of it, and we'll remember later, but it was mm-hmm. like, we know that's not true. And so, but it's like, just like that, like, it just sounds that's shitty. True. Oh, I just had an aha. Uh-huh. So, 
if this happens, my whole life is a mess. And I've been able to kind of create the life of my dreams. I, I trust the universe in my life, right? So I feel like in a sense, I have been able to control, quote unquote, my happiness, my well-being, my dreams, my the progress of my life, my trust. But this is my Achilles heel where it could ruin me, right? And mm. I don't know how to solve it. So it's a thing that where I'm weak, right? Or I feel weak. Just speaking really from that fear place. But So essentially, did you say a mess? Your life would be a mess? It would be a mess. It would be ruined. I would ruined. lose my sense of self, my peace, my trust, maybe in life. Wow, isn't that fascinating? Because like what we talked about at the beginning of like Mm -hmm. finding trust and then the shadow of it is actually losing it. It's fascinating. (laughs) Yeah, I never looked at it like this, but that's the beauty of actually asking these questions to see why the fear is real and what would happen if it comes true. You actually come face to face with the naked truth. Mm. Wow. And how do you feel? Do you feel like you would be ruined, or and and I at the beginning I knew, and you mentioned it too, is like I had it. I knew it was like about control. Mm-hmm. So it's like because holding on to this illusion, right, is because it's like ironically, I am holding on to this idea and controlling it because then I can trust. Mm. which is even just fascinating in itself, <laughs> right? Yeah. Is this manipulation of trust. Mm. So it's like, if this goes away, then what I've held, that safety yeah. again, is gone. Yeah. So at some point though, I imagine you have had, whether, you know, it's completely different, but it's like that last Silicon Valley client. Mm. like that one foot in Mm. one foot out yes you nailed it this is my one last thing but it's family like that's why i justify it's like but i love them so of course i should worry right how can i work on letting go of that (laughs) and so i know it's interesting and i know you know this like what does worry make you feel helpless or at a loss what about even what about in a helpful sense to your mind at least Worry worry actually makes you feel in control. In control. It makes me feel like I'm checking the boxes. I'm doing my thing. I'm thinking about all the ways I could help. Yeah, definitely. So what if you don't worry? If I let go of worrying, I feel like I lose that control, that last control. If I let go of worrying for them, I might miss something, right? I might forget to say something or do something that could help. Yeah. And so what happens if you let go of control? Like, why can't you? Because it helped, it assists me in being the responsible older sister. Mm-hmm. Mm, it assists me in feeling good about myself, I guess, that I'm doing <laughs> my part. It assists me in feeling like I have this fear 
bottled up in a jar and it's okay because I'm worried. So I'm thinking about it. So it's okay, right? Oh, I love that. Literally in a jar. It's like you can still see mm-hmm. it and control it. Yeah. It's, it's in the jar. It's, con- yeah. it's contained. So it's like, what happens if it comes out? You can't control Something it. bad might happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's funny to actually talk through it because these are the actual true thoughts whether in my conscious or subconscious, (laughs) even though my like other self, my soul, my higher self is like, no, even if the worst happens, I'm going to be okay. And they're going to be okay. Their soul is going to be okay. And also this trust in life, I guess I have this trust in life, but it didn't extend to the point of no matter what happens, even if it inflicts a lot of pain or throws me off my balance or takes years for me to get over, even that is part of divinity expansion. It is part of our soul dance. Yeah. And it's not my role to control it or change it. <laughs> as long as I'm coming from love, there are no regrets. I've done my part. Like it's this, I didn't do good enough for them, but Mm. that's the fear. But realizing I am doing good enough as the sibling, you know? Yeah. Ashmi, this is really important. And I feel like you just got to the root of it is you don't want to let go of control. Right. Cause it's like, then it's like, you didn't do good enough for them. Yeah. Which proves what about you? Hmm that I don't think I'm good enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Wow. I love this. Cause it's like, I can be good enough in my mission work. I can be good enough in my life compartmentalized, but am I good enough? Mm-hmm. Good enough. The whole thing. <laughs> like yeah. I said, com- compartmentalized. I definitely yeah. relate to that. That's how we control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. So what do we do then? So <laughs> how do you, <laughs> how do I, I feel it. good enough mm-hmm. with who I am in this family? Right. So, yeah, this is, I'm getting chills and like, I appreciate you so much. Like, this is cool just to be like, I can tell when we were, we were going to do this. I was just like, there's something about Ashmi that's just like, and like what we're coming together to do is, is just so raw and vulnerable, mm-hmm. like versus, I mean, because sometimes like nothing's wrong, but like this space is very vulnerable. Yeah. Even like mm. this is technically a podcast. Like I don't view it as it is one, but it's like much more than that. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. to come and do this, literally what you're doing for people to go back and listen to I get it. Like there's certain spaces for things to happen and, you know, Mm. keep it sacred and keep it for you. However, like for you coming into the space and I just want to make sure like the people listening to, and I know that they're just, you know, heart exploded and with you, um, just to commend your bravery and like showing up in this. Um, and again, it's proof for what other people listening Mm. and watching can feel like that is the medicine. Like, and oh, what you've yeah. already felt, right? And, and that's why I'm such a big believer in fear because you already said it is it allows you to see the truth so clearly. 
they like the way you are and your energy and the way you ask questions and even just this theme and topic i have no choice but to be vulnerable <laughs> and you hold space for that and it's a gift really you you are in your essence um this is something i would probably only do in a one-on-one -on -one <laughs> session with a coach or therapist but i know through sharing some of my story online that other people have this in their families or with their children it, it's such a common thing that it, it's alchemizing to be able to share it and let people know you're not alone mm -hmm. and it's so normal and you feel like you're struggling on your own you're the only one who understands how this feels and in those moments i want you to know you're not alone mm -hmm. and to the question of what you said of like well what do we do <laughs> yes because that is the big question, right? Is And you already said this, but I really want you to pause with it. And what's really cool about you and even just these spaces and like what I've been able to witness is like, it is, yeah, like it is a gift and a skill. And also though, it's like what we just said of like, it might be the questions, but it's literally just space holding. It's like, you are literally like, when you watch back, watch it back, you'll be able to see that you were just like doing it like on your own. Mm and with mm. the oneness with the ocean that we talked about right yeah so it's that's what's so cool is it's not necessarily even a logical thing like yeah. there's part of it but it's just allowing that to be there mm -hmm. so this next question is for you to actually just like feel it not just answer it because you know the answer yeah. and i know you've heard this question before mm. so if that thing does happen does it mean that you're not good enough yes or no and not just think it, but feel it. And that's okay, whatever your true answer is. No, it's not true. And what's coming through is I am good enough because I was part of it, part of this family. I showed up for them. I experienced even this loss mm. and they chose me to be the daughter, right? <laughs> I am good enough because I could walk through it and still have my heart on the other side. <sighs> this is real because I'm crying. <laughs> mm -hmm. Thank you. That's alchemy. Yeah, feel free to feel it. There's no rush. Um, I am good enough because I saw who I am even in that experience, right? And that I can carry the memory, the alchemy, the power of their souls with me in my heart. Oof. And that we are connected always anyway, right? And <laughs> going quantum, we are all one soul connected. So this is all kind of from a high perspective happening for me, through me. So <laughs> it is perfect no matter what. And I love you just, you like you literally answered all the questions I would ask on your own. <laughs> <laughs> We're <so>, both coaches. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I love it. So, um, mm. 
is man that's so cool and it's and just to be clear for people listening right like this isn't discounting the human experience because obviously you're going through the human experience right like this whole process is very human Mm, yeah um because i think sometimes right you and i both have experienced this what you shared at the beginning is like not feeling things and not crying Mm -hmm. yeah so and go like the optimism of just like i'm okay i'm immediately going to reframe it like i'm not even going to go there i'm just going to like oh it's all happening perfectly yeah it's okay yeah exactly right you have (laughs) to feel it mm -hmm. and you literally are feeling it and i just want to reflect to you of like literally what you're doing like where you are right and this goes back to the evidence and one of my favorite things to do is like which you already did is like after asking the question like what what do you want to believe or what do i want to believe mm-hmm. is finding the evidence that that's actually true and like like tangibly true right now not just like a woo woo belief mm, i love that and so for me and i'd love to hear your evidence for me is like what i can already see that you're good enough so your mind can get a bore along yeah <laughs> i love is that is like you are literally there right now Mm. yeah this feeling in me is my confirmation and and also like the evidence is in there's no accidents we're doing this podcast while I'm here with my family Mm -hmm. the first time I'm with them in Uh years Um, the evidence is in my daily experience with them. Because I can see even through the suffering, they are so full of light and they're mm-hmm. laughing and they're growing and they have shifted. And perhaps they wouldn't have shifted like this without this experience. And, and I know how much my presence and my energy affects the house and I know it is enough. So, yeah. Wow. So isn't that so cool? Like you, you literally being there just is enough. Yeah. And even when I'm in Australia, so I live in Western Australia, probably the furthest I can go <laughs> from them. Um, yeah, there was a lot of guilt of being so far and helpless, but I am helping. Yeah. Through my love, my energy, being there, being a listening ear, knowing my sister can text me anytime she needs, right? My mom can text and I can call them. And just my presence of me living true to my soul and my light and following my heart is giving them so much comfort and joy, right? Mm. So being me is enough. Mm. I love that. <laughs> and what you said earlier, I just want to echo this of like the joy and the laughter and the happiness that is there like it's not just all suffering right yeah and so that's just a cool because our mind likes to think in black and white so it's cool for you to bring that in of just um and like the feeling that i feel is different so when you tune into the before of like right worrying about like failing them and then like i can't control because if that does happen then that means i'm not good enough being into now like moving forward what is when you compare and contrast what is that feeling 
in your so heart, like that gripped before. feeling. Yeah. Now I'm feeling relaxed, expansive. My heart's calm. You know, this peace. Yeah. And I've felt this before, but not specific to this topic. So it's such a gift to know. Because before it was so muddy, I didn't even know what the positive view of it would look like, except for, okay, if I'm giving them love, that's enough. <laughs> but there's deeper depths to that where it's like, I am enough, I'm doing enough, I'm being enough in this family and in my life and, and everything. Yeah. And, <sighs> ooh, yeah. Ooh. A relief. <laughs> relief. <laughs> yeah. And now I imagine like going into this now for the rest of the five weeks, coming in with this new energy and like awareness or remembering, I imagine it will be a new or different feeling and experience. Yes, I know it will be. Yeah. This is life changing. Yay. Yay. <laughs> well, Ashmi, thank you. Thank mm. everyone and all things. Mm. Um, that, yeah, it's such a privilege to be in that space. Thank you for just the honor of going there and being, being yourself. And it's beautiful just to see the irony, but also like the perfect flow of not only the conversation, but of your life of like the trust and then coming into now and realizing it's like, oh, this is where I still don't trust and I'm still controlling. And, and then still, but that practice of you, like, you know, in the field position on your couch allowed you, it brought you here and that strength and that rawness like and that death and that rebirth and that letting go and that trust is it's just so beautiful just now to watch and hopefully i mean i would love to hear like how the next five weeks go like it'd be super mm. fun thank you so much ben you're such a beautiful soul thank you so much <laughs> for holding space for me wow to really be me and yeah it was really powerful and i feel like this will help so many, but also me. Like I never really felt like after a podcast, when I listen back, I'm going to gain even more layers because what we did was true alchemy. And I know it's going to help me a lot. So thank you. Yay. <laughs> so welcome. All the podcasty things. What would you like to offer or to the people mm -hmm. listening to connect with your, with your art and your author? Yeah. Author authorness. <laughs> yeah. So I'm mostly on Instagram. I share my writing about the awakening journey at ashmi.path. And um, I do offer one on one sessions, but also ceremonies like group ceremonies on Zoom. Um, and I have my book. So it's all online. I would love to share with everyone that. Yeah, just like I felt in this conversation, like put a hand on your heart mm. and really breathe in and know that you are enough just as you are. Your gifts are so beautiful. You're uncovering them every day with every layer and know that 
You are exactly where you need to be and your path is unfolding for your highest expansion. Yeah. Thank you, Ivan. I felt that. <laughs> Thank you, Ashmi. We appreciate you. Oof, I could keep saying it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ben. <laughs>